It's our second week in our series on Abraham, and I am uh, thrilled to be in this. It's one that's been on my heart for quite a while, and um, last week was a help to me. And uh, I'd studied it a couple months ago and kind of just put a little rough outline together, and then and studying it last week and preaching it last Wednesday night. It's been on my heart all week, and I'm thankful for the application. The Lord had it. If he, if he just had that series for me, that's good enough for me, but I hope it's been a help to you as well. But we're here, uh, continuing here, Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to begin reading. Let's go and start reading again the beginning of the chapter to to go over the uh, promise given to Abraham. Let's stand together as we read this. Genesis chapter 12, we'll read verse 1 through 9. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of, of Sikkim, unto the place of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still the south. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for the day you've given us. God, the privilege that it is to be in church together tonight. Lord, I pray that you just bless this service. Lord, bless us as we're looking at the life of Abraham. God, I pray that, Lord, we be helped, uh, Lord, by his life as we apply it tonight. Be with me as I preach, Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I told you before, I, I grew up watching a lot of older television and from really what was being made in my childhood. And one thing that I watched a lot of with my dad was westerns. And uh, watching those westerns, I also enjoyed playing cowboys and Indians there as a, as a young boy. And, and uh, we would say all those things that they would say on those old movies. And one phrase that I used all the time, like John Wayne used to say, was howdy pilgrim. Anybody like John Wayne? Anybody at all? A couple of us? Okay. And uh, I remember uh, saying that phrase and, and, and hearing it and, and seeing it on things. And, and uh, not too long ago, looked up what that meant why they would call anyone that came along pilgrims and really what you'd expect it to mean is what it meant he was referring to people out when he was out west that came from the east and those people as we know from history came out to the west to find a better life and many of those city slickers had a hard time getting by out west because they didn't know what it was like out there I'm finding just coming from Indiana to west Texas is a little bit different trying to figure out this is it windy all the time or do I need to wear goggles when I take walks I mean what's going on here it's different and uh, as, as he would call people pilgrims, it was, somewhat, it was sometimes just a nice thing to say. Other times it was somewhat of an insult because they, if he called them that, it meant they really didn't know what they were doing or they weren't able to take care of themselves yet out west. You know, we look at our American history and we see the pilgrims that came over to the new world in, in search of, of being able to worship God freely and all that came and that name kind of stuck with them throughout history. You know, the Word of God mentions in the Hall of Faith many Hebrews as pilgrims. And we look in Hebrews chapter 11, we read it last week, it says, These all died in faith, 
not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. If you were to look in other parts of the New Testament, specifically 2 Peter, we would find a Christian being described as a pilgrim. So as a child of God, you are on a journey that began the day that you were saved and it will end the moment you enter into heaven. And this journey that you have in this world is just a pilgrim's journey from, from the start of salvation to the eventual end that God has for us. And this journey as pilgrims at times is a wonderful thing. It's, it's easy. It's full of joy. It's, it's happy. A lot of good things happen. But there's other times in the journey of a pilgrim that is difficult. And, but no matter what it is like in the moment, it's a journey that God has us on that needs to be lived by faith in him. We look at the life of Abraham here in chapter 12, and we see Abraham had this calling on his life and this blessing, this charge that was given to him by God, and he was called to leave everything behind and to walk into the land of Canaan by faith. And we look, and we look at his life, and we look at what we find here in Genesis. It wasn't an easy one. But there were, there were blessings along the way for Abram. But as he journeyed, there were also some problems that came and some obstacles that, that came. But as he journeyed and as we look at his life, there is an example set for us in his life. And he shows us how to live a life of absolute faith and, and total commitment to our God. And there's three things that we see here in this text tonight. And the first one is, there in, starting in verse 4, we see Abram's obedience. As we, exa- as we examined last week, it, it took a while but Abraham eventually got going in the direction God had him to go. We were, we were looking there at the, at the history, and we looked in the New Testament at what Stephen said, and it's, it's apparent that Abram didn't fully obey God when he was told to go. He started to move, and he, he didn't leave all of his family as he was told to. His, his father was still there. But it took a while, but finally we see Abram completely obeying God and being in a place of total obedience to him, and that's the same place that God desires you and me to be in in our life. You know, we look in the book of 1 Samuel, and Samuel said, Hath the Lord his great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, he's speaking to Saul here, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken in the fat of rams. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Even if we may think we're doing a good thing or something that's not sin, if it is not what God wants us to do, if it is not in obedience to his call, his will for your life, it is not complete obedience. It is, it is sin. You know, God expects us to completely obey him. You know, we, we saw this a week ago, but what did that obedience take in, from Abram? The first thing that it took for him to do was, was separation. We looked there in verse 1. It says, The Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. You know, Abram was to separate from his relatives and leave them and follow God. He was, he was called upon to separate himself from everything that would hinder the progress of his journey. And God expects each and every one of us to separate from the ways of the world tonight. Anything that may prevent us from progressing as he would desire is a weight that needs to go. Look at, look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 tonight. Many Christians are, are on this pilgrim journey with weights. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and to set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our main point of this life is to seek first the kingdom of God. It's, it's to do what it is that God has told us to do. But if, if we're not looking unto Jesus, if we're not pursuing him, if we're not looking to be completely in his will, there, sometimes there are things that we bring along with us in the battle, in the journey, that are slowing us down or keeping us from going where we need to go. We need to examine our hearts and, and, and find and see if there are any weights that are there. And, and to start in Abram's journey, he didn't lay aside the weights, did he? What, what happened with Abram? We, we looked there at the end of chapter 11. So this was after uh, this, this command had been given to him. His father was still around. And his father was a, was a native of the land of Ur that we know was a place, was a city where they were uh, worshiping false gods, where they had all kinds of evil things going on. And, he was, and with his father still there and holding on to the ways of Ur, he was definitely away in what God expected Abram to do. You know, they didn't make it to Canaan until after his father died. Until after the death of his father, they weren't able to be where it was that God wanted them to be. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. You know, most of the time, we are not going to be called upon by God to leave our family in service to him. It's a, it's a vast majority of the time, that's, there's nothing needed in that area. But we need to make sure tonight that God's will is a priority to us. Is God's will a priority above, above other wants or other desires in our life? What did Jesus say in Matthew 10, verse 37? He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Jesus wasn't telling us to to hate our mothers or fathers or our sons or daughters, our brothers or sisters. He's telling us our love for him should come above our love for them. Our our desire to please God should come come above our desire to please others in our life. And And I promise you, if that is the priority for you tonight, and if your priority is to please God above everything else, all those other relationships are going to be just fine. And you will be exactly what God wants you to be in those relationships and you'll be exactly what those people in those relationships need you to be but it must be a priority we must be willing to separate from those those weights that may uh, be holding us down and to first of all uh, to have God as a priority and obedience to him a priority so we see that separation that took place and secondly we see surrender in this obedience look at verse four so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him And Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. You know, the Bible tells us that Abram did as God had spoken to him. He learned early on the secret to pleasing God is just doing what he says to the letter. And that includes surrendering some things in our life, getting rid of those things or turning from those things, those places that we hold dear to serve God and to do it as he's called us to do. You know, God, God's will, God's call on Abram was gonna, not always going to be easy. But it was the course of action God had for him, and it's the one that was going to, uh, when it was all over, make the most sense for Abram. You know, you know, faith 
builds no barriers. It, it does what it is told and trusts God to take care of the rest. It is just doing what God says and trusting him, even if it may not make sense to us, even if it may be uncomfortable out of our comfort zone, do what, he, do what God says. You know, Wearsby, on the thought of faith, he said, faith is only as good as its object. Faith is only as good as its object. Our faith can mean something and accomplish something if it is in the right thing or the right person, which is God. And if we understand who our God is, and we have an awareness of what he's done for us, what the power of our God, the compassion our God has, if our faith is in him, I promise you everything's going to work out as God intends it to be. The only way to enjoy the Christian life to the fullest and to, and to have the blessings God intends, the only way for Abram to have these blessings in his life is if he does what God has him to do and has faith in, in the God who told him to do those things. And there needs to be total surrender where everything is on the altar. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what? Living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. A living sacrifice. I think I've shared it with some of you before, but I'll never forget. A Christian school there in Festus, Missouri, probably ninth or 10th grade. This, this missionary that was not an exciting fellow, I can tell you that. He wasn't the best preacher. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't very funny. He didn't really hold our attention uh, in a great way. But I remember him preaching out of Romans chapter 12, and he had this big offering plate that he pulled out from under the, the pulpit, and he placed it on the floor. And he, he, he set an example with his verse, and he stood in an offering plate the whole time he taught us that morning. And he was telling us every day the Christian life of surrender is one where we are continually placing ourselves in that offering plate for the Lord. We are surrendering ourselves to him, giving ourselves over to him. And that surrendered life is the, is the one with his blessings. That surrendered life is the one that is in his will. And, and we may look at what God asked Abram to do, to leave, his, to leave his kindred, his father's house, to leave his belongings, all, those, all the things that he had there, the comfort that he had in that world, and to go somewhere else and, and to end up having enemies and having people that are against him. It may seem like a tall task for someone that doesn't know God. But all that God ever wanted from Abraham was Abraham. All God wanted from Abraham was Abraham. Everything this, this, this man in, in, endured was about getting himself on the altar for God and, and living that life of surrender. And that is where God wants you and me. And if we want to see what God can do in our life, if we want God's blessings, if we want God's hand, if we want God's direction on it, we must be surrendered. Now, Abram didn't know the rest of his story. What did he have at this moment? He had a promise from the God he didn't know as well at this point as he did at the end of his life. All he had was a promise. You know, we look at Abram's life and when we know the rest of the story. We know all that God did through him. We know all God did through those that came from his own blood. 4,000 years later, look what God has done. You know, God wants to use you, but he won't do it if you're not surrendered to him. You know, Andrew Murray said, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to him. So we see Abram's obedience. Second thing we see in this text is Abram's hindrances, his hindrances. Now, this pilgrimage that Abram was, was going on was never gonna, going to be without obstacles. 
There's going to be plenty of bumps in the road for Abram, just like there is in your life and just like there is in my life. What were some of the obstacles Abram had? The first one we, we do find there in, in verse 4, his age. That's a hindrance. <laughs> God tells him he's going to give him, he's going to make him the father of many nations. Abram doesn't have a son yet. God tells him he's about, he needs to go on a journey and pack up everything he's, he's, he's developed for himself in the first 75 years of his life and go to a land he's never been in before at 75. You know, that, that's about the age where some people think about really slowing down and, and, and resting and retiring, and, but not Abram. He had to set out at, at this age and, and follow the Lord. And I'll guarantee you that as Abram started doing these things and maybe talked to his father about what uh, God had spoken him to do or talked to maybe some of his friends there in Ur, can you imagine the responses he was getting? Saying, well, what, why are you packing up? Yeah, well, I'm headed to the land of Canaan. They, they probably knew about Canaan. They probably heard of some people from there at some point that, that came through doing trade or, or something else. And he said, well, God told me that's my land. He's going to give it to me. Can you imagine the responses that Abram might have been getting from those people? You can maybe hear them trying to talk him out of this decision that he had made. But he's determined to follow God in spite of his age. And I want to tell you tonight, there's no age requirement for being a Christian. There's no, there's no age requirement for, for living for God or surrendering to God. And there may be a day when, when a person can't teach anymore. There's going to be a day where I can't preach anymore. There's, there, there's going to be a day where you might not be able to, to attend church anymore. But until we go home to heaven, there will never be a day where we have the liberty to sit and stop being a Christian. So we need to be determined not to let our age, whether we are young or old, stop us from serving God. We look in Titus chapter 2, verse 2, it says that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, and charity, and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given much wine, teachers of good things. There's a purpose for the aged people in the work of God. What about the young ones? First Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, what did, what did Paul tell Timothy? Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So matter, no matter if you're on the young side, no matter if you're on the old side, age is not an excuse to not live for God. Age is not an excuse to stop living the Christian life. But that was a hindrance. It's a reason to not do it, isn't it? And it's a reason that Abram could have had to not fully obey God or not take the step of faith that he did, but I'm glad he did. Another hindrance we may find is the world. Look there in verse 6. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sikkim, unto the place, pl plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was then in the land. That phrase, the Canaanite was then in the land. Much like where Abram came from, the Canaanites were a godless people trapped in a system of false religion that involved worship of many gods. They practiced human sacrifice. They had no regard for what morality was or decency. And Abram is headed to take that land that God had given him. He's headed into the hostile territory where no one was going to be sympathetic to what God had, God's will for his life or the way of living that God had for him to do. But Abram was determined to follow God regardless of the opposition from any darkness he would face. And if we are here tonight as Christians trying to live a life for the Lord 
there is no doubt that we notice the Canaanite is still in the land. But we look in our world and we see wicked thing after wicked thing. We see, we see the devil infiltrating his way into so many aspects of our society, in our, in our children's lives. And we look at the television, how they're trying to influence us there, and in me, social media, how they're trying to influence us there. And all, all the avenues the devil has gotten himself into to try to pull Christians away from what it is God has for us to do and to try to, to change even what the Word of God says. It's under constant attack. The Canaanite is still in the land. And the world, the flesh, and the devil have no sympathy for the Christian. There, there's no compassion there for the Christian and, and no sympathy with, with our desire to please God with our life. And as we try to please God with our life and to live by his will, there will be opposition. It will be there. But in spite of the fact that the world is against the ways of God, we should be determined, just like Abram was, as long as there is breath in our lungs to live for God regardless of the cost it may bring us. You know, a life of total commitment to the Lord demands that we stand faithful in the face of any opposition. Now, I love 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Even though the Canaanite was in the land, Abram kept journeying in that pilgrimage. Even though there was distractions, even though there was going to be opposition, he kept journeying through Canaan. We need to be determined to be steadfast just like that. Another hindrance is, is not just the world, not just uh, age. Another hindrance is really the journey itself. <laughs> Look at verse 5. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, all their substance they had gathered, all the souls they had gotten in Iran, and they went forth into the land of Canaan, and to the land of Canaan they came. From Haran to Beersheba, the journey that was being taken, it's about 500 miles. And for Texans, 500 miles isn't much from what, what I've been told. But for a man traveling with his wife, his nephew, all of his cattle, all of his belongings, all of his servants, all the people that he had with him, without a car, is quite a journey. And I, could, I would imagine there was a great responsibility that he felt on that journey. As, as, he's, as he's leaving where he was and traveling that 500 miles to get to where God would have him to be, do you think any needs came, up, came along the way? Think anybody got sick? Think anybody got tired? Think anything happened with some of his possessions? Or the journey probably had some hiccups along the way? Good chance he might have been tempted. He probably sees a pretty good spot here that looks like it's got good ground and has a good water supply, has a good place for the family, but that's not where God had him to be. What does it say in verse 9? And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. With any opposition that could come, any doubts that could come, he kept on going. These verses tell us that Abram didn't stop until he arrived to the destination. He went to the place God had him to go. And we're going to find he's going to have to leave there very soon. And, and there's all kinds of things that are going to be happening to him. But Abram went where, where God wanted him to go. God had promised him this land and he wanted to see, it, see God through in this area. But how often are we as Christians tempted to stop? 
tempted to take a break, tempted to try a different method. How often does the load of the responsibilities we have maybe weigh us down a little bit? Is there a tendency for us sometimes to get weary and and, in the weariness to quit? You know, right now the way gets hard. And I'm, I'm telling you in my life, there's, many, there's been many days where the way is hard. There's been many, many times where the devil may try to, to bring something into your life or the devil brings something into my life to try to discourage me. And usually that happens on days where I'm supposed to be preaching or, 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 or in, in deep study for a message. All, it's, it's crazy how often this happens. Think of, think of times in your life where your family needs you to be strong or, or there's someone you need to witness to or someone you need to help, someone you need to be praying for and the devil brings some kind of distraction in your life to bring weariness and cause you to not want to go on. When that comes, count on God. Remember his promises and keep going. These duties that he had were overwhelming. Great sense of responsibility, and it took faith for him to place the unseen ahead of the seen and to trust God to take care of all these things in his life. Look at, look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. So we have seen the things Abram couldn't see at this point. And as we read the story, as, we, as we've heard it, many of us since we were, since we were kids, we, we think Abram just needs to trust God and, and go on, and it's an easy thing. But Abram didn't know any of these things that we know. He had to place the unseen ahead of the seen. We looked there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. We read this last week, but I want to remind you of it. By faith, Abraham when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of, in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah received, herself received strength to conceive seed was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Were there moments of weakness for both of them along the way? Yeah. Doubts? Yes. Mistakes? Yes. But they continually placed their faith in God, even after those, those mistakes, in the unseen. And that's the attitude God desires of us. You know, we may, we may be asked at some point to leave the seen for the unseen. And just as Abram and Sarah did, we must come to a place where our tomorrows, our needs, our fears, our cares, our worries, our problems are left at the feet of God. And I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 when he said, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and the morrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? Don't even have to worry about it. If God has something for us in our life, we need to trust and have faith in him, even in the unseen. I love that thought. Take no thought. 
Don't even, don't even worry about it. Don't even consider the possibilities. Just trust him in this pilgrimage. There's one major requirement for us. Trust and leave the details to him. Have faith, leave the details to him. So we see Abram had obedience to God and we see the hindrances that were there. And because of his obedience, there were opportunities that came. Real similar to what we had at 10 last week, but we look in verse 7, promises were fulfilled. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He was there. He saw it. I want you to imagine being Abram, having left with what you left, having made this, this 500-mile journey, and finally seeing it. Walking through there, knowing every square inch of that ground was going to be his children's inheritance. And, and as he traveled, and enjoy, he could enjoy the future, though it still remained unseen for him. Imagine he's walking through the land of Canaan. There's people dwelling there. There's, there's wickedness going on in the society, but the land looks, looks great. God told him it's going to be his. It's not his yet, but one day it will be. The second Peter chapter 3 says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And as we, as we continue our pilgrimage to heaven, we can see the future by faith just as if it were reality today. The word of God has given us much about heaven and I'm thankful for it. And one day, as we continue this pilgrimage, we, we will end up there as we put our faith and trust in Jesus. So as the journey gets tough and as, as, as we are weary in it, as we uh, may feel weighed down from time to time, remember what we have coming. God has a place for us. What did he say in John chapter 14? I'm going to prepare a place for you. So trust him and keep going. So we see the promise fulfilled. We see God's presence was with them all the way there in verse 7 and 8. God walked with them every step of the way. And first of all, there was worship. You know, whenever Abram pitched a tent, he also built an altar. And he took the time to worship God as he journeyed. And those altars, even in the land of Canaan, were a testimony to the condition of the heart of Abram. Wasn't trying to hide who he was worshiping. Wasn't trying to conceal it. He built an altar wherever it was that he, that he would stop. He built them there in the center of Canaan. And all the people around him are deep in idolatry. That says much about the love that Abram had for God. Abram is going to become known for his altars. Are we known for our altars? Are we known for our devotion? Are, are we known for... Our love for God, does it stand out from the world around us? He's in the presence of God because of the worship he had in his life. He's in the presence of God and every step he took as he journeyed, Abraham and God enjoyed communion and fellowship. God would speak to him and, and, and Abram continued to worship God and he was determined to include God in the journey. And far too many Christians keep God out of the journey of life. And when we do that, that's a recipe for disaster. You know, Luke, Luke chapter 2 has been on my heart uh, often, but each and every week, several times a week, about how Mary and Joseph had spent a week with the lamb and left him behind. Left him there in Jerusalem, and they missed him for three days because of that one mistake they made. They missed out on the fellowship. They missed out on the communion. Missed out on, the, on just being able to touch him. Far too many people go on the journey of life or on this pilgrimage without walking truly with Jesus. 
Are we talking to him along the way? Are we listening when he speaks? Are we journeying with him? Abram was in his presence as as he was continuing in the direction of God. There in in verse 8 it says, And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. That word Bethel, that place of Bethel, the definition for that word is the house of God. And it was at Bethel that the patriarch Jacob would later meet God that one lonely night. The name Ai means a heap of ruins. And it was there that Israel would later learn a valuable lesson about faith and obedience and the destructive power of sin. We know that story too, don't we? I really don't think there's a coincidence that as he journeyed, he seems to be moving away from a heap of ruins toward the house of God. Abram, it's a symbol of of he was moving from what he used to be to something completely different. To being in the, not only the presence, but the will of God. To be doing what it is that God desired him to be. And that's what happens when a person is surrendered, just like Abram was, to walk in the direction God has for them to do. From a heap of ruins, from that old lifestyle, from, from, from the ways of the world towards the house of God. Towards fellowship with him. So Abram, Abram did these things. He enjoyed God's presence. He, he enjoyed the promises being fulfilled as he was there in Canaan. And he had the blessing of knowing he was headed in God's direction. He was able to continue. He had the ability to keep going. And we look there in verse 9. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. You know, his journey is, is just getting started, isn't it? There's a lot more to come. But with this being God's will... He is blessed with God's presence, and he is guaranteed victory at the end of this journey. And each and every one of us can make the same claim as we walk by faith in the will of God. You know, there's going to be obstacles, there's going to be setbacks, but as we focus on his will and depend on him, in the end, we will be exactly where he wants us to be. We can continue. Your faith is as strong as its subject. And if we're truly pursuing him, if we're truly focused on him, we can keep going. You know, Abram set the example of a man who was committed to a life of faith. And he was placed in a special chapter in the book of Hebrews because of the decisions he's making at this moment. Can you say the same thing tonight? When you look at your walk with God or when you look at what it is that you know God would have you to do. Maybe just being the husband or wife God would have you to be. Maybe being a better employee, maybe being a better witness, a better mom or dad to your kids, a better help in the church, a a better encouragement to those that need it, a better better person of prayer. Are we surrendered to his way tonight? I read about in the old Olympic Games, the Greeks had had a race that was very unique. And the winner of the race was not just the one who finished first. The winner of of the race was the one who finished first with his torch still lit. Took a different type of of running in that. 
if, if we keep our faith in God and if we continue to strive for his will, we're not only going to finish this journey one day, this pilgrimage that we are on, but we can finish with our torch still lit for God. But it won't happen if we're doing it on our own. It will happen as he is the object of our faith. And his will we want above our own. That's it. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, the privilege that it is to, to serve you. Lord, thank you for allowing us, God, to, to have this journey here in life. 